Hello, and welcome to LSA Sermon-Based Podcast. Today, Kevin Rogers will be finishing our series on stories, talking about Isaac. And now, here is Kevin Rogers. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Well, I was excited to hear about the series that you're doing on uh, characters from the Old Testament. And uh, as we think about... uh, the long arc of history and God, God's plan. Uh, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, you know, um, when I think about those granddad, dad, and son, um, there's something interesting there. Abraham Uh, is uh, you would think of him as a hero of the faith because what? Because, well, because he had faith, he believed God, and he was willing to do uh, something unimaginable, go to the farthest place away from home uh, in obedience to God. And, And the stories of Abraham are very memorable stories. And then if you think about his, his grandson, Jacob, well, again, here's, here's, here's a kid that uh, did some, uh, some crazy things. Jacob uh, becomes the, the father of the nation of Israel. And uh, there are so many stories about Jacob. But in between, you've got Isaac. And, you know, if Abraham and Jacob were the ones that did things. Isaac was the one that things were done to. And, and so I want to talk today a bit about Isaac from the perspective of not being what can you do for God, but rather what can you do when things are done to you. Think about it. As a young man, his father takes him up the mountain uh, to, to offer a sacrifice. And not until the last minute does he figure it out. And, and, and it, his father was prepared to offer him as a sacrifice. I'd say that's something being done to you that you didn't call for, you weren't looking for. And then you think about how his, his own son, Isaac's son Jacob, would um, get, you know, coerce with, with Rachel to steal the blessing from his elder twin Esau. And, and so Isaac, who's now an old man and, and going blind and, and he's in his tent and, and, and his, his loving wife, and his son Jacob conspired together to uh, trick him, something that is done to him. Well, we're, we're going to look today at um, a sequence in Isaac's life and see something else that was done to him. And, and the reason I want to bring this to, to bear today is that you may feel like uh, you never have done much, but a lot of things have been done to you. Well, I want you to take uh, some uh, wisdom today from the life of Isaac. Um, Have you discovered uh, that sometimes 
holding on to faith is hard. You may face times when you have to deal with antagonists and backstabbers that seek your demise. It can happen in a family. It can happen in a church. It can happen in the workplace. You'll go through tough times and you'll need to remind yourself that you would have no hope without God's promises. Today we want to look at how do we do more when others give us less. You know, think about uh, an entrepreneur who starts a business, and some of you have started businesses. Some of you have succeeded, some of you have failed. But uh, every successful business finds ways to do something well and then to scale up that good thing to its capacity for profit. It's not just a business principle, though. If you can do something that makes the world a better place, the multiplication of goodness can happen. You know, you think about uh, four different people wanting to do something. Let's think about um, how they can get a very widely varying result even though they all try to do the same thing. It's not like everybody is going to get the same result. Uh, three, think about uh, anybody have kids in piano lessons? <laughs> do you remember that? Or guitar lessons or violin lessons? You might have four children signed up for piano lessons, three of them are going to struggle with the discipline and they're going to have, a hard, have to be reminded all the time, you got to practice and they're, they're not going to want to do it, and, but you, you keep them at it and, and they're plunking away. Um, and after one year, they're still in that book one of lessons. And then you, but then there'll be this other child who seems more intuitive um, and quickly exceeds expectations. By the end of their first year lessons, they're already in book three because they just get it and they want to do it and, and they, they dig in. And sometimes they don't even have to practice all that hard. It's just in them somehow, right? And, and you could four different kids all trying to do the same thing, but one of them seems to succeed while others struggle. Uh, why do some people consistently perform well and improve over time while others never seem to succeed? What is it that can make one person exceptional? And I think if if, if there was an easy way to get that answer so that we could do it for ourselves, we probably would, right? You know, I want to I wanna exceed. I want to be exceptional, and, and I want to do things that are remarkable. I, I dare say that most of us in our life want to do something good and, and have some effect. How do we take something good in our life and cause it, to multiply. Uh, Jesus tells us 
a story that illustrates how God is breaking into the world through him. In Mark chapter 4, listen, a farmer went out to plant his seed. He scattered the seed on the ground. Some fell on a path. Birds came and ate it up. Some seed fell on rocky places where there wasn't much soil. The plants came up quickly because the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it burned the plants. They dried up because they had no roots. Others' seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew and crowded out the plants. So the plants did not bear grain. But then here's the one in four. <laughs> Other seed fell on good soil. It grew and it produced a crop 30, 60, a hundred times more than the farmer planted. Oh, I, I think that's, that's the kind of gardening I want to do in my life. I, I, I want to have good seed that goes into good soil so that something happens. And if we think about Jesus' farmer story here, it's, it's not the farmer necessarily that's exceptional. It is the seed. It's the seed that is exceptional. It is something that when placed in the right conditions produces exceptional results. If that's the natural order of things, there's also a dimension of supernature where God causes exceptional outcomes beyond the average output. You see, the, the blessing of God, and, and, and this is, this is a, a key part of the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the blessing of God. God saying, I choose you. God saying, I will do something good through you. An awareness, God, the blessing of God is his affirmation uh, that your life is embedded in his purposes as you cooperate with him. God's favor resting on you makes you accept, exceptional partly because you learn to view crises in a new way. And that's what we're going to see in Isaac here. Uh, that it wasn't that uh, Isaac had a life without struggle. He had more things done to him than things that he did. An awareness of God's favor helps you endure hardships and to see goodness in the face of suffering and challenge. When, God, when, when given the chance to grow, that seed of blessing that has been sown into you, that seed of blessing produces exceptional results. And we see this in Genesis 26. Isaac planted crops in the land. The same year, he gathered 100 times more than he planted. Oh, Jesus had said something later on about planting seed and getting a hundredfold return. Why? That was because the Lord had blessed him. Isaac became rich. His wealth continued to grow until he became very rich. 
He had many flocks and herds and servants. Isaac had so much that the Philistines became jealous of him. So, and it, isn't that a, an indictment on our world today? How there is so much vitriol towards the rich. And I'm not here to defend any, any, uh, anybody, but just there's, the Philistines became jealous of Isaac because of his wealth, because of his prosperity, because of his success. So this is how the Philistines respond. So they stopped up all the wells the servants of his father Abraham had dug. They filled them with dirt. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You've become too powerful for us. It's interesting that as Isaac goes into this mission of digging up wells that his father had dug. He was going back to something that was vital. He was going back to something that was absolutely essential for everybody's survival, not just his. And that was to have wells of water. Over time, those wells that his father had dug had caved in or been filled in and so his mission was to go back and to dig the old wells, to get those open again. There was a famine in the land at the time of this story. And in the midst of famine, <laughs> Isaac had planted crops and experienced, experienced a hundredfold blessing. Kind of miraculous. The other people around him were also in famine, but their yield was low. Their livestock was not doing as well. Somehow, Isaac was experiencing an upward spiral of multiplying effect. And the Philistines became jealous of him and acted treacherously towards him. Isaac's Father Abraham had dug wells previously in the land, and out of resentment for Isaac's doing well, and perhaps out of an antagonism even towards his father, Abraham, they went and they had filled in the wells with dirt. The freshly dug wells, they followed up and said, oh no, we're going to going to put a stop to that. Not just where Isaac was living, but all the wells that Abraham had dug. When people get successful, the first thing people want to know is, who are they and what did they do to get successful? What's the secret of their success? And as people begin to get curious and begin to admire 
this success, it dawns on them, hey, I'm not as exceptional. I, ha I don't get the same result. And the onlookers begin when they see something that's too good to be true, sometimes will start to look for fault and reasons to discredit the fortunate one. Like a bucket of crabs. And, you, and, and, and the one crab has a vision to get out of that bucket and back to the ocean. And he starts to climb, and the other crabs grab a hold of him and pull him back down. And then the, another one tries to climb up, and they rip his leg off, rip his claw off. This crab bucket mentality. Take that, Isaac. You thought you could get, succeed with all your father's wells? No, no, we're not letting that happen. And they filled them in. Let's see, Isaac, how well your herds are going to do without having a well to get water from for them. Take your giant herd, take your stockpile of grain, and get out of here. Go away. This is what resentment does. This is what the Philistines were, were saying. You see, resentment has no wisdom. Because where do you think that the local Philistines got their water from? The same wells. From the wells that they had spitefully eliminated. Where, where did the Philistines and the locals buy their grain? Well, from the guy who had extra grain. From Isaac. Isaac had capital. Isaac was growing more powerful. And that was a threat to the Philistines' sense of power. The blessing of God may be perceived at times as a threat to those who are not experiencing blessing. As God's kingdom grows, the old systems of power and control are threatened. The world wants to eliminate the wells of refreshing that come from God's blessing. Filling in a perfectly good well out of spite is akin to the darker side of deconstructionists. When you dispense with history, with tradition, with establishment, establishment as a means of disempowering, and you can't offer anything better for the common good, you set yourself up as possessor of the moral high ground. You set yourself up as the judge of all things and will yourself be judged with the same measure. Well, let's talk a bit more about Isaac here. Because when something good is taken from you, how will you respond? Will you fight eye for eye, tooth for tooth? Will you go and fill in somebody else as well? Or will you respond like Isaac? So Isaac, they said, get out of here. They filled in as well. So Isaac moved away from there. He camped in the valley of Gerar, 
where he made his home. Isaac opened up the wells again. They had been dug in the time of his father Abraham. The Philistines had stopped them up after Abraham died. Isaac gave the wells the same names his father had given them. Something going on with these Philistines, isn't there? And like Isaac, some of you maybe have had in times of life, or even now, had to move away from the ways that the Philistines have offended you. If you have been exiled like Isaac was, Move on, knowing that your identity and your blessing is not defined by your enemies. What is meant for evil against you will take a new shape in God. Isaac looked at where he was, and and he identified that the wells of his father were still there in spite of the sabotage to eliminate them. After Abraham had died, the Philistines, out of spite, stopped them up. They wanted to erase history. They, uh, even though they had benefited from those wells, that didn't seem to matter. They were more concerned about proving their point. They did not want their land to be remembered for the benefactor that had made it a better place for all. So Isaac digs up the wells, and he even uses the old names that they had had. Didn't come up with a new name for them, try to do some brand management. (laughs) He just, no, that well was called that, and that's what it'll be called again because it's still the same well. Why is that significant to us? There are ancient wells of refreshment that give life wells that are for the common good. And when you find yourself in a desert place, you can always reopen a well that has been closed. And if you're in a dry place, a spiritual desert, You know, God does his best work in the wilderness, right? And and God has some old wells of refreshment. Now others may have come along and caved them in, filled them in. You think, well, now what do I do? Well, you do what Isaac did. You dig up the old well. The cheat, sometimes we keep looking for something new when all we need to do is dig again the old wells of spiritual life that God's people have depended on from the beginning. The Word of God, prayer, worship, faith, the power of the Spirit, sacrifice and service wells 
that we've allowed the enemy to fill in. You know, whenever there's been a revival of spiritual power in the history of the church, it's because somebody went and dug up an old well that's always been there. Dug up an old well so that God's life-giving spirit can be free to flow, to work. If you're thirsty, if you're dying, start digging a well. And if we dig together, we find that we can get the refreshing faster. The names. Names are important. Toponymy is the study of names. And, and where did a place get its name? Why was it named that? There are ancient places that still have a version of their original name, but also many places that have gone through many name changes over time. Naming is a human activity that goes all the way back to, to the garden. God says to Adam and Eve, name the animals. Uh, naming is, I would say, part of what makes us human. Renaming, on a human level, is an attempt to replace prior history with a new identity. Three new wells get named by Isaac. He digs three new wells. Isaac's servants dug wells in the valley. There they discovered fresh water, but the people of Gerar who took care of their own herds argued with the people who took care of Isaac's herds. The water's ours, the people of Gerar said. So Isaac named the well Essek. Almost looks like Essex, but it's not. Essek. That's because they argued with him. Then Isaac's servants dug another well. They argued about that one too. So he named it Sitna. Isaac moved on from there and dug another well. But no one argued about that one, so he named it Rehoboth. He said, now the Lord has given us room. Now we will be successful in the land. Sometimes we read these foreign names in Scripture and we hardly pay attention. What's significant about Essek, Sitna, and Rehoboth? First of all, the names coming from conflict need to be identified. The new names mean injustice. The new names mean enmity. And it's interesting that their history, the naming of their wells, would be defined by their attitude. It's interesting that the people of Gerar would claim that the wells belonged to them. They didn't dig them, <laughs> and now they want to claim them as their own because they need the water. The relentless logic of resentment. Instead of living in the blessing that was brought by Abraham, they were seeking 
the waters of injustice and enmity. These two wells, injustice and enmity. This shows the opposition between righteousness and unrighteousness. Isaac was righteous through faith, but the herdsmen of Gerar represent our fallen world. Isaac was a man of peace, but they were men of war. They fought against this righteous man. The well called Rehoboth, means room, shows that the Lord makes room for the righteous in this world in order to bless, to increase their number. These are the ones that will inherit the land of promise to come. Where are you going to live and what well are you going to draw water from? Are you going to drink constantly from the well of injustice and everything that's wrong? Are you going to constantly drink from the well of enmity where it's all about us and them, we're the good guys and they're the enemy? Or are you going to drink from the well of Rehoboth, God has made room for us. We will increase. God will refresh us. When Christians are persecuted, what is it that keeps them strong in the faith and resilient? It's never their sense of injustice or their anger at the world. That never preserves anybody's life. Did you know that? The followers are, of Jesus are blessed continuously because it is our inheritance to be blessed by God. We go to the God who makes room for us. Verse 23, from there Isaac went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him. He said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will bless you. I will increase the number of your children because of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. There he set up his tent and there his servants dug a well. In every circumstance, let's remember the promises of God. If you're the one who's done great things for God, or if you're the one who's had horrible things done to you, the message is the same. God has chosen us. He has a blessing that extends from generation to generation to generation and that you are a part of that blessing. Let go of the things that people have taken away from you. Don't let the story of your life be a tale of 
betrayal and resentment for how many wells you dug that were filled in by somebody else. Are you okay if God decides to love your enemies by blessing you? You dig a well, and other people that are resentful and bitter and against you come and share in the blessing of that well that you dug. See, I think that's part of the heroic story of Isaac, was Isaac knew how to let go, to forgive, to move on, and do what needed to be done. The blessed ones go to dig more wells, and they give thanks for the living water. How much more do you want of God's blessing? 30, 60, 100 times? God wants to bless you with an increase of his goodness and there's there's a tool there's a tool that we all need just like Isaac and his servants needed we need a shovel we need a shovel cuz we got to do some digging if we're going to get to the refreshment. Let's pray. Lord, um, as we uh, have looked at a little bit of Isaac's life today, um, we're mindful of the fact that, um, that Lord, you are the one who uh, provides the blessing. You are the one who has planted good seed into those you have chosen to us. And Lord, you have blessed us so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. Lord, uh, we may not have the claim to fame like an Abraham or a Jacob, but every one of us, Lord, can learn to let go and forgive like Isaac and let the blessing of God be multiplied over and over again through our life. Come, Lord. Come. Let the seed of your love and forgiveness grow deeply in us, we pray. Thank you for listening. If today's content was a blessing to you, please like, subscribe, and share. Or maybe you want to become a financial supporter. You can go to our website, lsa.church forward slash give. And if you're ever in our area, we hope that you would visit us in person. Until next time, be blessed, and we'll see you soon.